Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for the Cleaning and Cocktails podcast. This is where I get the opportunity to speak with fellow cleaning business owners, small, medium, and large. We take the time to let them share their stories on the ups and downs in the industry. I also speak with other experts and professionals in the industry, from your manufacturers, your suppliers, trainers, as well as other types of entrepreneurs. My mission is to empower our cleaning industry to inspire and motivate each and every one of you. I want you guys to reach new heights of success and learn from one another. My goal is to have you walk away with some tips, secrets, advice, and opinions that are relevant to all of us in our day-to-day hustle and grind while we're out there in the field working every single day. So sit back and share a cocktail with us and enjoy the show. All right, guys, it's another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. I have the absolute pleasure to uh, to really drop some gold, golden nuggets here for people that I respect. Uh, I've learned to get to know through social media. You got to love social media. Um, but I have Mark Limberry, Michael Hansen here with me. Um, they've got stories that I'll let them share. Uh, Michael, I wanted to start with you. I know, you know you've got Janitorial Learning Center. Uh, and again, first, uh, so the audience knows, I chose these two guys for this show today because I wanted to kick off the year with with brains of individuals that I feel do way more than they, they even have to. But these guys, I've been watching them and, and seeing the answers that they give to people's questions in some Facebook groups that we're in. And it it never, it never, it doesn't actually amaze me anymore or shock me that when there, there's a question and you see their names, you see a drawn out detailed answer that isn't short it's 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 real it's to the point it's it's advice that i screenshot and take it for myself because these guys got a wealth of knowledge and i wanted to share that with every everyone here because you guys are all in the cleaning industry our goal is to empower this space with the right information the right knowledge we have to raise the bar we have to create new create new goals for us as cleaning business owners and without further more, these are the guys that are going to do that for you guys. So Mark, Michael, thank you guys for taking some time away from your family to join me on the show. Mark, we're going to get into you. Michael, take it away with who is Michael? How did you get into this space? And just share a little bit about your story as much as you want to. Okay. Okay. So. And cheers. Uh, <laughs> yes. Cheers. So my name's Michael Hansen. And um, I've been in the janitorial and building maintenance industry for about 30 years. Um, actually started more in marble restoration than I did in, in cleaning. And uh, I did that for about three years, um, held some pretty nice contracts with um, some major hotels here in Cleveland. And um, one that took us all the way out to Philadelphia doing marble restoration. So it was pretty exciting. Um, and then I, then I got into uh, janitorial, uh, kind of started out a little bit more on the franchise end uh, as a field consultant, a trainer uh, for franchisee um, through uh, coverall cleaning and uh, spent a few years with them and, um, and then moved on and went to work for a local company here uh, Mark's Cleaning Service, and I spent the last 20 years working uh, with Mark, uh, helping him grow his business, and kind of kind of bounced around just about every role within within his organization. Kind of started out doing HR and 
um, moved into water damage restoration and then operations and general management. Um, so I got, got quite a bit of experience uh, throughout the years. And then in May of 2019, I was handed the uh, diagnosis of ALS, which, um, you know, it started out as just some, some basic muscle cramps and, you know, a little bit of difficulty walking, but, you know, it's uh, kind of progressed uh, and eventually kind of took me out of the infield game, as I call it, for, for the industry. Uh, couldn't really get around to the clients and do walkthroughs and, you know, tour the buildings and make sure that the cleaning was staying up. Um, so now I am retired, but bored. And that's where Janitorial Learning Center came into it. Um, I felt like I, I needed to keep my mind sharp and do something. And with all the experience that I had over the years, uh, I just wanted to to kind of create a platform. Facebook was really easy to create some, you know, create a page and create a group uh, and start sharing that knowledge back with, uh, with business owners of all, all varieties, you know, everybody from brand new startups to seasoned veterans. And, um, you know, so now I do consulting and coaching. Awesome. Well, thank you, Michael. And again, like for you guys that, that don't know, Michael, uh, I had a phone call, I think it was like a month ago, Michael, right? When we, when we spoke for the first time and it was around the topic of coaching and, you know, kind of bringing that to more of a platform and sharing the knowledge, even, you know, there's ideas and Mark, I'll talk to you about that too, but just ideas for the future. And for me to hear Michael's story and be like, man, this guy doesn't have to do this right now. Like he could focus on himself, but he still tends to want to focus. I mean, it's because, you know, we love cleaning, right? Like if you're in the cleaning industry right. and, and you grow and you build and scale a business, I, I, I find it difficult to leave because this is, I love to do it. I, you know, it's, it's like a sense of just dignity to know what you've started and built and what you've done with other companies. So for you to share that and continue to do that, kudos to you, my man, uh, you know, cheers to you. I, you know, that's, that's a big undertaking. Um, so Mark, your turn, my man. And I, I, guys, I just met, I just met Mark through speaking to Mark two days ago, right? Was it two days ago, Mark? At, at Clubhouse? Two days ago, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a story. Like this guy, I mean, for how many years that he's been in the business, please, Mark, I'm looking forward to it. Share it to everybody. How did you get started? You know, the, just have sure. at it. Well, before I got started, my father-in-law actually started the company we now own, and that's back in 1978. You know, picture this, he's a security guard. He's, he's working in a building. He's cleaning, or he's not cleaning. He's just doing walk, doing the walk around. And the owner of the building, his 12 story building came to him and said, Hey, do you know how to clean? He had no clue how to clean. And he said, yeah, I know how to clean. He had no clue whatsoever. And his wife and himself cleaned the entire building by themselves for a year wow. going in. So he'd do the security thing. And then at night, he'd just pretty much stay there all night, clean the entire building top to bottom. And that was his gig. And he had no idea how to run a business. He didn't know how to invoice. In fact, he never even sent an invoice for nearly a year. It wasn't until the owner came back to him and said, don't we owe you some money? Yeah. He goes, well, I didn't know how. And no joke, the owner felt so bad. He actually hired his own attorney to come in to write the contracts just to help him out and get started to make it legit and official. And there began universal janitorial services. So 
fast forward, uh, I was running around the playground at that time, but uh, certainly wasn't doing any cleaning. But back in uh, 1997, I finished up school and I was looking around for a job and I'd already met my future bride, uh, Lisette. And of course, that's um, my future father-in-law uh, who started the company. Well, anyway, um, funny story. I had no idea what to do. I was applying everywhere. I was probably sent maybe a hundred resumes out in the middle of a recession. I, I just, I was striking out. I already owned my own business on the side and I was pretty successful at it. I, I've always owned businesses throughout, uh, since the age of 15, every year since then. And I was looking for something to do just part-time just to supplement income. And he said, well, Hey, I need someone to write contracts. And so he already had that contract in place, but slanted is written by his client's attorney. So I came in, I redid the, the contract for him and he said, well, Hey, do you want to do sales? And I said, well, I never sold anything in my life. I have no idea, but I could try. And so I, we jumped in sales. And the, the first question I asked him, I remembered what, what's your goal in the next two years? Where, where do you want to be at? And he goes, I want to triple in size. And from 1997 to 99, we tripled the size of that company and 600,000 at the time. And we brought it up to 1.8 million. So it's a, a decent pace is a hefty pace. And, and then I took a step backwards from the company. I had my own business going on the side, focused on that popped in and now a couple of times I started a consulting business. They were one of my clients for a while and things were going gravy and until an opportunity came up right around 2010 to acquire the company. He was looking to sell and I was looking to buy. So I went in with the most senior employee at the time. Uh, he started back in 1982 and together we went in uh, as partners buying out this company. And, and there's that, that's where we're at today. Uh, we're, we're growing it together. Uh, our goals are a whole lot different than what they were back then. And uh, things are going good, but you know, it, it, if, anything taught us uh, or if COVID taught us anything, it's, Hey, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. Oh yeah. So many people do that. Oh, man. oh. You know, what, what happens if that basket breaks? Well, you're out of luck. And we've seen so many stories and I'm sure you guys have seen it just nonstop stories coming in, you know, people shutting down their business or, Hey, looking to start a new business because of this. And so I made a decision to jump into coaching and consulting. And, uh, thankfully, uh, through the powers of uh, the, our marketing guy, he set up a uh, lead capture on our website. And then we realized that we're getting a lot of leads from around the country and around the world, people wanting to know, how do you disinfect properly? And so I started doing consulting on that based on school districts around the country and around the world. One of the first people I talked, persons I talked to was a university here. And then uh, internationally, there's a school district in uh, Cork, Ireland. I've never been to Ireland in my life. They reached <laughs> out and want how to do it. So it's like, hey, we could start a business and uh, run this uh, uh, legitimately with a little more education and, and uh, thought out uh, know-how. And so I created a business called My Clean Pivot and okay. officially launching now. So wow. mycleanpivot.com. And so we're pivoting to focus on coaching other business owners how to run properly, but also how to disinfect in terms of uh, uh, other entities outside of just the cleaning space. Okay. Wow. Well, I mean, let's jump right into that. It's like the fact that, you know, cleaning and disinfecting, we know those are two different, you know, you could put them in the same category. They're two different things, right? But with what's happened with COVID and 2020, I think they're coming out with numbers, but I, I got to believe it's more cleaning companies were created in 2020 than probably any year previously, but it was 
they were creating it out of a whim. They were creating it out of, you know, they, not thinking there was a need. There was a need, but yeah. you talk about, you know, and this is what I, some of the things I wanted to touch on today, guys, is like the cleaning business owners, not just in our Facebook groups, but just in general, you know, get, not that you have to get educated, but you should learn every aspect. And what I'll take it back to Michael is, and, I, and you just hit it with goals, Mark, but Michael, you remember when we were talking and I think you'll agree, Mark, is before you even get started on the cleaning business, you have to have a plan. You have to have a business plan. You've got to have goals set up, right? So yeah. is that, would you guys both agree that that is what, like, because I just had to talk to somebody or a call earlier today. She's, she just started a cleaning company and she's worried about how to get leads before she has a website, before she even has the name of the company. She's like, I want, I want to, I want to work on leads, right? So, and she's took it in so easily though. She's like, it makes sense. Thank you. Okay. So that's number one. Got it. All right. And then number two, but it's, it's not that they don't want to learn. We just need to give them kind of the ammunition in the correct, the correct way too. Right. Like, what would you, let's, let's expand on the business plan and what the goals should be for today for the person who is a solo cleaner starting a cleaning business today. Whoever wants to go first. So I, absolutely. I, I see so many, um, small business owners out there and they're talking about uh, what they want to do with their business. And when you, when you really start dialing down into what they've got accomplished so far, um, you know, they've got a big dream, but they're, they're pretty well unorganized. Um, a lot of them get their start because they're fantastic cleaners and maybe they've been out cleaning for somebody else for a few years. And, and, you know, they, they see that, um, you know, small, small cleaning businesses can actually thrive and they can really make a very nice living um, if they, if they're set up right. But that's as far as they go. They don't realize that there's so many different layers to the business. You know, um, you can be a fantastic cleaner, but that doesn't mean you know how to manage people in the field. That doesn't mean you know how to create a schedule that's, you know, makes sense as far as workflow goes, um, you know, cutting out unnecessary driving if you're going between buildings. Uh, it also doesn't mean that you have a, a great process or vision for your business in general. You don't really understand how to make it grow. You don't understand all the components. You're, you're not a great accountant. You don't know how to invoice. You don't know how to collect from people. You don't know how to write a proper business email. Um, and those are all the things that really uh, they need. They do need them as a tool and they need to learn them almost in, in a, a fluid sequence that makes sense so that they're not biting off more than they can chew. And that's the one thing that I really like to do when I'm working with new clients is kind of sit down and, and start with the business plan. And we go over, you know, we go over everything from uh, just general leadership and education. How, how do they, you know, how can they continue to grow and expand their ideas for their business? Um, you know, we talk about uh, hiring employees and the proper paperwork and training them and, and uh, you know, uh, employee safety and different programs that need to be put in place there. We talk about, you know, the, the whole accounting process and, you know, how to, how to invoice people and, and what's it, you know, what's a standard, uh, you know, terms and um, things like that. Yeah. I mean, you call, 
Michael, we call it a framework, right? Like you guys, mm-hmm. like we got to talk about what is the framework for these companies because I'll tell you, man, that was that was me in the beginning. I it's funny though. I I had a cover off franchise, Michael. My first, I got into the business. I bought my cousin's franchise, uh, but I sold that. But I didn't realize how much work they did for, for us on the back end. Because then it's like I had my mother in law, and you know we were invoicing late. Uh, sometimes we'd forget to invoice. And then the client's like, I'm not paying. This is past 90 days. I, I'm not paying you. Like you forgot to invoice me. Cause you know, they're not going to remember, mm-hmm. remind you, you know, hiring, how to speak the right way. Like I, I didn't have a fluid sequence. So it's like, I just, I winged it. You know, the first couple of years was winging it, which I was my own boss. My family was my family. I could afford it, I guess at that point, but boy, do you, I mean, I, if, People think cleaning company is just is simple. Holy, I, I disagree on so many levels. Like, especially if you wear all the hats, right? It's like you have learned how to do, you just talked like about five different departments that corporations have. Right. And we're, we as a cleaning business owners are having to learn how to do all that. So Mark, what about, I mean, I, I see you shaking your head. I know you're at all agreement to this, but like, framework right you said it your your father-in-law didn't even know how to invoice you know in the beginning right. for, forgot to invoice like what, what do you no f- clue. yeah yeah i mean he thought money would come in automatically uh <laughs> you know if if you don't ask you won't receive that's for sure um you know uh seven habits highly effective people right dr uh, covey if you guys read that i think his habit number two said begin with the end in mind you know, a lot of people don't begin with the end of mind or, or kind of like a guideless missile. And, and I'm not doing a blanket statement on everyone. There's a lot of people out there who do have plans, but some people jump in the business. And I've seen it because I did consulting for startups where they just had no clue what they were doing uh, in the beginning because they weren't coached. They weren't led. They didn't have a, a map by which to go. Within the past hour, as of this recording, uh, there's a Mars rover just landed on Mars. Perseverance, I believe. Name. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. you saw that. Yeah. What I was watching it live and think about it. they launched it, what, six, seven months ago. It landed within the minute of what they of, had of, of what they planned yeah. it, to the exact spot where they yeah. planned it. That's amazing. And, and within two or three minutes of it landing, they actually had, you know, uh, pictures beaming from it. So think about that. Think about the planning that went in behind that rover that landing on mars you know you have the astrophysicists you have the scientists you have the the aeronautical engineers you have you know the nerds running things you know but it came from a vision from one person right you know it it just wasn't a bunch of people collaborating together somewhere a vision was developed or hatched by someone hey let's land this thing on mars and see what happens well you know when we start our business a lot of people just go into launch mode. And thankfully with the cleaning business, we don't need a, a physics degree or be astrophysicist or anything like that. There's no barriers of entry into the cleaning business, right? But they jump in, they jump in with both feet and they're more on the operations, but they don't think about the strategy and the logic behind it all in order to keep things running and going smoothly. So definitely a coach yeah. is needed, a map is needed, a guide is needed in order to get to the end where you want to go. And this is, uh, again, this is why I, this topic for me is literally, it's just going to be called coaching because the more and more I, I've met people like yourselves and other, and other, you know, mentors and coaches, especially me building a startup, like 
if I didn't have my mentor or my angels in the beginning, like, holy, it's a different ball game now that I know how to plan ahead where I just, there's not enough coaches to be honest. Like I'm, I'm actually happy that you, you know, I didn't know that Mark that you pivoted to be, to have that Michael just started, but I got to tell you, I can count like on two hands, how many cleaning business coaches legitimate, right. That have done it first themselves that are doing it now where there's 30, 40,000 new cleaning companies starting every year. So you see numbers are not in the favor of the cleaning business owners, definitely in your favor, but like there's only so much time, right? So this is something I had, me and you, Mark, or uh, Michael, I think we touched on this, but Mark, Michael, what do you guys think about what, and you don't have to give away everything here, right? Like, I mean, you guys are just starting off with it too, but what does a good workshop or a framework from a coach to a, or a mentor to a mentee or a coach to a, to a, a pupil, what does that look like for a cleaning business? Like what, what, you know, is it a three week course? Is it a six month course? Is it ongoing? Are you guys thinking of, you know, every month there's standup calls, there's webinars, like obviously going digital is going to help everybody, but what should a person that's looking for coaching or a person that is going to start cleaning or hitting the refresh? What if somebody wants to hit the refresh button? What should they expect from talking or speaking to somebody, you know, guys like you guys? Honestly, and, and it all depends on how deep they want to go in, in a, into any particular topic. Um, when I'm working with a, a new client and we're, we're going over a business plan, typically what I ask them to do is commit to at least a one-hour phone call once a week for eight weeks. And I slowly walk them through the process of building out that business plan. And we, we talk about particular topics one at a time without bouncing around. But every time I'm at the end of the phone call, I kind of leave them with something to do. Bring back some type of accomplishment between now and the next phone call. You know, let me know that you're making some progress on your end too. Uh, because without accountability on their end, you know, it's like, you know, it's almost like buying a pizza. I can, I can call up, I can order a pizza, the responsibility to make the pizza is 100% on the other end. And when it comes in, all I got to do is pay for it. Well, that's not the type of relationship that I'm looking for when I'm working with a, with a, with a new business owner. You know, I, I want them to feel like I'm there making the dough, cutting up the ingredients, but I'm putting it all in front of them and they got to start putting it all together. And then together we'll walk it over to the oven. We're going to bake it together, right? Because they trust me. To, to help nurture them through that process. And at the end, they're gonna, they're gonna know how to make that pizza. They're gonna, they're gonna see everything that I did and they can duplicate a lot of the things at the end of that process. And that helps to move them forward. And again, it kind of goes back to, you know, what we were talking about before. Um, you know, they can be fantastic cleaners, but if they don't know how to elevate themselves into leading and, and being the, you know, the true uh, owner of a business, they're going to struggle. So I'm trying to equip them with the tools to, uh, to keep, keep growing, keep duplicating. So nice, nice. Mark, what about you? Yeah. I'll, I'll echo the same thing because, uh, you know, what's the parable you got to teach them to fish, right? Um, 
we've run into some situation or I've run in situations where people want to be coached, but they're just not coachable, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because they're not willing to take the advice. They're just looking for someone to do it for them. And, and that's, oh. that's not my forte. You know, maybe they need a fractional COO or something like that um, to do that for them or a CMO if they're looking to do marketing and sales or so forth. But, you know, in, you learn by doing you know, th- think about the very first uh, sales visit we ever did, right? As as salesmen, yeah. you know, maybe we're quaking in our boots, we're afraid, we're scared. Uh, you know, it, it, you're trying to read them, you're talking too much, and everything else like that. But you did it, and you're done. It doesn't matter if they said yes or they said no. The fact is, you did it. Yeah, it's and under then, your belt. You got it under right. your belt. And then you go to the second one, and it's easier than the first. And then you go to the third and it's easier than the first and second and it gets easier over time, but you learn by doing, and it's no different in the cleaning business, no different in sales uh, portion of this business or, or physically doing the work, cleaning uh, an office, stripping the floor or what have you. It's you learn by doing. Yeah. I mean, I, and I know I get some pushback from people when I always say this too, but like, I always tell people like, did you, have you cleaned? that type of facility? Like, have you cleaned? Oh, no, Rick, I, mean, I bought this business so that, you know, I can hire people and then they're going to, you know, they're going to clean and I get it. Trust me. I'll, you know, we're not all in this to, you should work on the business, not in the business, but that you have to do hands-on. You got to do some of this stuff hands-on because that's how you, we gain confidence in business owners and speak on certain services or things that we do, or how do we hire, or how did you do payroll, or just, you don't have to know it, know it, you have to understand it, right? Because then if you understand it, you could speak on it. Hey, and and I'll add to that, when I first started with the company, I was doing sales, I didn't want to be known as the geeky white guy who came into the business and married into it. Uh, That's the last thing I ever wanted. So I made it a point to work at every single job site, doing everyone's job, at various points of time. So I knew their job. Well, I knew their hours. I'd work there for a week. Uh, they would complain because I was the slowest guy out there, <laughs> but, but Hey, I did it. And <laughs> no one could say, Hey, Mark, it, you don't know how it feels. Well, yeah, no, I do know how it yeah. feels because I, I did, uh, I was in your shoes. And I think, uh, more cleaning business owners really need to do that. At least yeah. on, I know we're diving in leadership here, but we certainly need to do that. So at least if that person quits, we know what to expect when we go to hire their replacement. hundred percent. hundred percent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it probably made you a better salesman in the long run for the industry because oh. you, you had yeah. real life experience and you knew, okay, it, a realistic production rate is going to be X versus, you know, what, what somebody might've taught you or what you might've read in a book because you were out doing it. You know, you, you yeah. realize like, you know, depending on the thickness of the trash bag, how easy it is to open the trash bag, especially if you got gloves on versus doing it barehanded and things like that. Um, you know, so when the, when the books are telling you, Oh, well you can do, you know, 10 trash cans and, and, and three minutes, you're like, no, that's not realistic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's not realistic. Yeah. There's like, <laughs> you know? those are just to reference. Like I always have people tell me, no, I, you know, the numbers say, no, are those your numbers though? Or, you know, cause I don't, you know, my quality control girl can zip through these garbage and reline in like 45 seconds. Not that we have to do it fast, but it's like, 
it just builds confidence. Like I can't tell business owners more than you, I know you may not want to do sales, but you're going to end up being in sales as a business owner because you're always selling your brand. You're always, I tell people ABS, always be selling, right? Not that you're selling your service. You're selling you. You're, you are the brand. You, you are the culture behind the values of your company. So it's like by default, you become a salesperson, but it's because you, you did all the work yourself at some point. Not again, I, I feel like people are like, Rick, but you're telling me to clean, clean, clean. I'm like, not, not, you know, not clean for a month straight, five days a week. Learn it though. Cause Mark, you, my cousin is doing what you, what you did. He just started in the business with us. You know, we're, we're eight years in. So a lot of people is in different roles. So he's like, Rick, head down. Where, where do you want me? Where do I go? So he, he goes to different accounts, learns the account, backs up here, is repairing the vacuums over here, runs the floor scrubber in the office. Cause he's like, Rick, I just need to learn everything because I'm no good to you. If, you know, if I am just a team member that was given a role, but I didn't earn it, you know? So it's like, man, like I, I just love the attitude because it, at that point, it's like, but you're almost like an entrepreneur yourself. You know, you're, you're wanting to learn all these things. It's, it's uh, contagious, you know? Hey, if he's looking to move to the DC area, let me know. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. He's staying here, man. He's, uh, he's, uh. Uh, all right. So guys, I wanted to, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going a little deep on like the actual, like how the education feels and, and, and would look like, because I think the audience needs to know this just because I'm telling you, man. I Google search all the time. I talk to as many people as I do. There is just not enough coaches. Okay. I mean, there, and then, and then with COVID going on, digital is, is a tough way to learn, but I think if we do the right thing and we have the right frameworks, it can be done, right? School education is being done that way now. So ideas that I was always thinking of are things that, that these cleaning business owners can take advantage of, like, you know, boot camp type of programs. How do you guys feel? Do you feel like it's too much information to try to to put into like a one or two week program where if you guys are hosting it or being a part of it, like how how much information can a, can a cleaning business owner take on and commit to if they're still trying to grow their business and be in the business in the beginning? That's the big challenge right there. If they're in the business and they're cleaning every day, it's almost exhausting for them to think about committing to, you know, a two week program where for five days a week for two weeks, they have to sit down with a coach and, and try to absorb all this knowledge and then turn around and, and leave home an hour later and go clean for the next six, seven hours. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's valuable information it's going to move them to the next level. They're going to see their way out of cleaning and they're going to see their way into starting to supervise at first and maybe even then move on to um, actually being the true visionary of their, of their business and, and creating an organization that they're proud of. Um, but when I, when I think about it, that's, I guess that's why I break mine up into one hour calls once a week because it's such a small commitment. And I, I, I get them to commit to the same day, the same time. Now, where that creates a limitation on my end, obviously, is I can only coach one person on that day at that time rather mm-hmm. than a bunch of them because I, I don't want to have 
one business owner feel like they're getting slighted, not not getting the the true amount of uh, of uh, attention that they need. Yeah. You know, I've I've created some training programs on like bidding and estimating, and they can purchase that and kind of do that on a, a one off. But I've I've gone back in the the history of the people that have had the the program. People have had access and and they actually paid for the program. And they get about 20% through it and, mm-hmm. and they stop Yeah, because there's nobody there to hold their hand. There's nobody yeah. there to make them accountable for the progress and, and ask them questions like, Hey, did you understand what you just learned in the last session? You know, um, do you need further explanation on how to, how to gather the data and, you know, why is it so important to gather all that data yeah. when you're, when, you know, when you're getting ready to do your bid and stuff. So, yeah. So I mean, so you were touching on bidding and estimating and so let's, I wanted to, I didn't want to forget about doing this too, is what are, what are things that you guys feel now with the years of knowledge you guys have And Mark, I'll let you take this first. Um, starting off as a business owner, what, what are the must do's first that, that they should start to align themselves? I know it's an easy thing to say, learn sales, learn sales, but like what, what should business owners be aware of? in that first year. Let's fo- let's focus on the first year of business. What should they get under their belt like we were talking about earlier? I'd say uh going back to habit number 2, begin with it in mind. Figure out what you want to do with your business. You know, you, and create goals around that. Uh a lot of people start their own business but they don't have a plan to sell it. And I'm guilty of this. Yeah, well, me I, too. I, I actually yeah. I I don't have I I need to work on my exit strategy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm part of a mastermind and we brought in a guest speaker and I can't remember who said, it, but he goes, you need to create a plan to sell it before you start it. And, and never made, I mean, it makes sense listening to it, but at the time it didn't make sense to me. It's like, well, it's my baby. Why do I want to sell it? And I think that's the first thing you need to do. You need to have that end goal and then you need to have stretch goals from day one until that goal. And it's easy to plot out, you know, you use programs like the 12 week year, or what have you. I love that book uh, by Brian Moran or, or any other system, but you come up with goals and cycle through that. So goals, I would say is number one. And this is outside the aesthetic stuff, like starting, creating an LLC or S corp or C corp or what have you that that's outside of all that. But uh, I think creating goals is a must before starting any sort of sales process or operational process. Okay. Michael, what about you? I, I 100% agree. I mean, you, you have to have a, a, as, as clear of a vision as you possibly can with your business, where you want to be, not just, you know, in the next 30 days, but, you know, where do I want to be at one year, five year, 10 years, and right up to the point, like Mark said, when I'm, I'm selling my business, you know, what, what, does that, what does that company look like? You know, how profitable am I? What systems have I put in place that are so easy and so duplicatable that my business runs without me being present? And um, yeah, it's it's not an easy task. Yeah. But the more the more you more you visualize it, the more you conceptualize it and write it down and break it down into to smaller smaller steps to be able to move it forward. It, it becomes so much more attainable and um, you know, a, a great book 
that kind of kind of puts it all into perspective for a lot of people is the book Traction. Oh uh, man! By I just Gina finished Winkerman. it. I just yeah. Yeah, I'm starting EOS uh, April first. Yeah, it's and it's it's a great it's a great book. I mean, it really kind of breaks it down. Um, you know, it outlines you know how there needs to be that visionary person, and then they they need to have that. Uh, implementer. They need to have yeah. that person that's able to uh, take the vision and put it into working order and yeah. make it happen. So uh, no, I I love. I read that. So I, you know, the guys on January fourth, I had COVID. So for ten days, I was stuck in the basement. Track traction was a book I read. I read the book in in about three days, um, but that it opened up my eyes. Like the whole visionary and integrator role mm -hmm. right like i was playing both but i was terrible at integrating you know like i and, and that's the thing that I, I wanted to touch on next with you guys is key personnel uh and and the system of getting the stuff out of here right and and getting it where it could be shared much easier because you said it duplicate how do we rinse and repeat and duplicate where us as business owners i know i was guilty of always just wigging it right and saying hey i'm gonna train this guy in, in like a couple hours i'm gonna whiteboard it i'm gonna pop up i'm quick 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 fast 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 when it's like you it, it just does us no good for it to be in our heads i'd love to just try to think of exercises or ways to bring it from our head and our brains and put it in a process where somebody could walk in not speak to you and learn what you're doing and re repeat repeat it back to you and you as the as a person that created that say, Oh, you nailed it. You know, like that, that's, that wasn't, how did you know? How did, like, how do we get in each other's heads as owners and leaders? So then the next person in line or the people that we choose that are key personnel, because it's without, if you don't have engaged people, uh, you're, you're going to be working tirelessly till, till forever, you know? So like, what do you guys think about what have you seen? What have you done? Have you guys done anything to, how do we extract the knowledge that's in our head for other people to step into roles and a delegation to really work the right way? Uh, I hired a business coach by name of uh, Scott Beebe with Business on Purpose. And this business coach, he really coached me through the art of delegation, creating rule, roles, I should say, within your company by which everything's in Google Docs, and if you were hit by a Mack truck tomorrow, someone could easily slide in, pull up that Google Doc, and know exactly to the T what needs to be done within the organization. So he taught me mission, vision, values, but also specifically delegation and team meetings, creating that cohesion, and running a business through uh, proper business systems. It also makes your business far more profitable and sellable. Uh, because that person buying it really wants to know, hey, can the business run without me? See, and that's, I mean, so Mark, you don't even know Traction or EOA, or I don't know if you've read it, but that's, right? Not. Michael, I mean, I feel like that's kind of those pillars, right? And like how mm -hmm. how you create, because it was funny, I, I swear to God, I'm guilty of this. I started filling out this sheet that they give you before I finished reading the page. And it specifically says, do not put names in the box. Fill out, fill out the role first, then put a name. So it's like, know what the role is first, then understand who is that person you want to put in that place because the role should not be defined by the person. 
the person should be defined by the role. And I, like, that was, that's something that stuck to me. Cause I was like, damn, I've been doing it the other way the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so easy to fall into that. Um, it's, it's kind of just a comfort zone, right? We, we know who we have surrounding us in the business. So we look at them and we go, Oh, well, I he want them to do, I want them to do one, two, three, four X, you know, X, Y, Z. And this whole role has been centered around that person. But then when you go and talk to that person, that person's like, well, man, I'm no good at number two and I'm no yeah. good at X and I'm no good at Z. And you know, why, why are those my responsibilities? Um, I'm going to struggle with that. I, I'm much better at this whole other side of the business. And, you know, it's also about aligning the right people into the right job and the right task. Because if, if they're happy with what they're doing, they're going to excel 10 times faster yeah. than a person that is just going through the motions because maybe it's something that was put down on their job role, their, their job description, and they're trying to fulfill the, the blank space of that, of the business in order yeah. to make it happen. So, you know, no. you definitely want to make sure that you're aligning the right people on the right task as well. So, so here's something I want to ask uh, your opinions on. So the structure of a cleaning business, right? There, there's, it varies. Uh, you could say it varies per market per, you know, if you're, you know, going after government more so than education, but outside of who you're targeting, as far as the organization itself, do you guys do you guys feel like there is a common framework that could be taught as far as like you know you got your CEO you've got your director of operations and you have your uh, general manager and then your area managers and then a field supervisor and then quality control like I know that org charts it depends on who you are as a firm and what your mission or values are but but does it like could is there some type of cookie cutter that if you're a cleaning business owner, as you're growing, that you start to feel like, okay, I know I hit this mark. It's time to look for an area manager. I've hit this mark. I should have an inspector. Like, how do you guys feel about that? Like, that's something that I've, I've always tried to think of. And I've made many mistakes over hiring or hiring too soon or building a, a role that I shouldn't have. But I just, I always felt like there should be a metric that told me when I should have created a role or does it just present itself? I mean, what, I know that's a loaded question, but like, let's talk through what does a cleaning organization look like? Uh, I'll jump in. Um, you know, there, there's, I don't think there's a cookie cutter because it could vary from company to company to company. You could call it whatever you want, as long as those roles are being accomplished. But what my business partner Francisco and I do on a very regular basis and frequent basis, at least once a week, we'll sit down and write down every single need within the, our organization that maybe we're missing the mark. You know, whether it be QC or meaning quality control, or maybe it's uh, customer relationships or uh, dealing with employees, or maybe we have employees complaining about something that, that we're missing the mark on or, or they need help in. And so we make that list and based on the top of that list, we'll go in and uh, uh, pick out items that, that need to be done first and then create a role around it or at least a, a position around it. 
and then we target that way. Okay. I Michael, think that's a, I think that's think? a great way to do it, Mark is, you know, and, and you're doing it on a very frequent basis every week. You know, you're really looking at the needs of the business and, and trying to decide, is this something that maybe an existing uh, position can take on a little, little bit of extra responsibility, or is this something where I need to create an entirely new, new position? Um, sometimes I think it has to do with the CEO of the company as well. How comfortable with giving up responsibilities is the CEO? Um, you know, a lot of times, especially in small, small businesses, you know, where they've got 10 or 15 people total, um, they struggle to relinquish duties to somebody else because they feel like if they don't do it themselves, the business is simply going to fall apart. Yep, that was and, me. That was and me they, for and they, first and three they years. Need, yeah. And they need to find the, the trust um, within somebody else. And then they need to get comfortable with painting the picture of their business. What is it that they want to see it look like in the future and, and really uh, create it in as much detail as humanly possible? You know, the better you can describe what your vision as a CEO is to a subordinate, uh, you know, whether it's an operations manager, general manager, or even an area manager, if that's as big as your company is, if you can't create solid buy-in from them, they're going to show up, they're going to punch the clock, they're going to do their thing, and they're going to go home. Yeah. But they're, they're not going to help move you to the next level. But if you really uh, ignite a passion in them because they can see where you want to take the business and how the, their efforts help elevate the business, but also you intend to bring them along, through the process and allow them the opportunity to continue to grow within your organization and move up. And you're going to provide them education and support in order to get there. Um, then you really create a, 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 an amazing synergy and it, it will move, move mountains yeah. for sure. Man, I, I, my got goosebumps as you said that, right? Because I, you know, it's like, I always say, you know, people are always telling me, Rick, you share so much information. Why are you, you know, why do you put so much out there? I'm like, well, I mean, a cleaning organization is a cleaning organization. I, I use the same chemicals as somebody else. Me and Mark use the same backpack sprayers, the same vacuum. I got, I, I've learned stuff that Michael's learned. Like we all, it's all out there for us to learn and to understand. It's not like there's a secret sauce, but I'm like, it's my family and it's the, the key personnel that I have that you can't have. So it's like my, my director of operations matches my intensity times two. My partner on the facility maintenance side was my former boss that is a visionary, like no, no other business where it's like, you said it, they bought in. I'm going as far as they take me actually, right? Like I'm, their, I'm the, the owner of the business, but holy cow, do I go as far as my team goes and they're, go, they're trying to shoot for the moon. So it's like, they bought it. You know, people buy, it. and then the people that don't, it, it's okay, but they're in, they're in positions that they may not need to buy into certain things or they'll see their way out. Right. And it's, that's where I think we get afraid of is, is firing somebody early on or, you know, replacing somebody when you're like, oh, I'm just growing, I'm just growing. I can't afford that. But it's actually probably better for it to come back in your lap then until you find that person that, you know, to me, it's the personnel. I think companies grow 
as they hire the right people and bring on the right team members. Hire slow and fire fast. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I learned that the hard way, but that is spot on. All right. So another topic I wanted to talk on, and I think this is such a crucial one for, for small cleaning business owners. I mean, there's so many topics, right? But uh, let's, you know, talk to me, you guys about cash flow. Like as an early on company business owner, I did not understand cash flow um, until you know I got hit with some some situations I had to get myself out of. But like, what? This is why I think bidding is so crucial. Like, I think it starts with the walkthrough. It starts with the bid. It starts with the proposal because if you underbid, you're in a you're in a, and you got a two year contract. Oh, I mean you're in a reap of trouble. So like, how how should business owners as they're starting off? account for cash flow like what are is there any formulas you guys think of or or just stats or percentages that that are quick tips right that they should think of as they're starting to go after businesses and grow their company well i'll jump in uh cash flow we yeah we learned that the hard way because when we bought the company my father-in-law priced the contracts to win his goal was to win 100%. And that's the stupidest thing you could ever do. And there's times where, again, I told you in the beginning, I was in charge of sales. I would bid out a project or a contract and he would override my price. He goes, I don't think people <laughs> would sign it. So let's, let's jump, you know, bump it down 20%. But here's the thing. If you're increasing 3% on a loss, you're still losing. Okay. Yeah. So I think the big key is, you know, certainly bid high or not bid high, but, but bid res- responsibly, uh, well, drink responsibly bid responsibly. So that that's, that's the big one right there. Um, uh, go ahead, Michael. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Okay. Uh, one thing that I see, especially in the Facebook groups are a lot of residential cleaners that are moving towards commercial work. Yeah. And there's, yeah. they're so used to seeing, you know, anywhere between 35 to $50 an hour for their residential work. And they think that easily translates into commercial work. And, and the truth of it is it doesn't because the margins are so much uh, smaller in commercial work. So you really have to be very accurate when it comes to knowing what your labor rate is, covering all your labor burden, your supplies, your overhead cost, and then making a, a profit at the end of the day. Um, I, I've seen many, uh, owners that are doing residential work and they're, and, and they're doing such a small clientele list that every time they make $35 an hour, they put $35 an hour in their pocket. They yeah. don't put any money back into their business. Uh, and when they buy supplies, they're like, well, you know, I just, I, I spend that out of my grocery money. I buy supplies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I'm at Walmart, I'm just picking stuff up. So I, I'm going to go clean somebody tomorrow. And they don't, they don't have, they don't have certain pockets for every dollar, every cent that comes in based on that dollar amount. And you know, that that's going to make or break you as a business owner. I mean, if you if you charged a client thirty five dollars an hour and you put a thirty five dollar check in your personal bank account and that was it at the end of the day, you're not going to survive long in this business. But if you understood that that thirty five dollars only paid fifteen dollars an hour, paid some payroll tax, 
put some money back into your business to cover your website, your marketing, your business cards, your uniforms, and all those different things, um, then then you've got a chance. Yeah, and that, I, that's that's a huge mistake I see happening out there. So I I, I got to stuff. You know, I, I keep beating myself up here, right? But I got to give myself one pat on the back. Is early on the one thing I did do. And, uh, you know, my brother's my CFO now, and this is, I mean, it's, it's astonishing. My brother's nine years younger than me. He's, he's my kid brother, but he's a CPA accounting masters. Like he's a numbers guy. He's always been. But one thing he told me when I first was starting and this was, he was young at that point was just, uh, have three bank accounts. You know, when I first started, I had an operating account, I had a payroll account and I had a reserves account. So every time money came in, everything came in in the operating account. But then I, you know, cause again, I'm all commercial. I was never, I didn't do residential. And then I would distribute the money. So that's why like early on, I didn't have the other two accounts, but the minute he told me to do it, I saw the money come in. And like you said, Michael, it was the money went in over here for payroll. And then I put it in reserves to cover the next machine I had to buy. And what I was left in operating, I'm like, Ooh, okay. It's okay. not much. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I need to go win a couple more accounts, you know, or improve my, you know, I got to buy supplies better. Right. So I want to lead this into this conversation too. It's like, there's certain categories that us as cleaning business owners should start to learn early on is how to buy better, right. How to, how to buy. And it's not just supplies, it's equipment, it's, you know, insurance, it's your vehicles, it's a big one, uniforms, branding, swag, like you're, you, if you don't have these buckets, I feel like you just don't know the number and I'm, I'm a visual person. So, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel too, is how many, I mean, what are the top buckets? You know, like, I know, I know I just threw some out there, but like, what, what are buckets that they should account for? Uh, they as clean business owners growing, hitting the refresh button, buying into a business, you know, what are buckets that they should be aware of to, not just save money, but to know like at some point in the year, you're going to spend money on X, Y, Z. Uh, I would have to say, you know, it, when we're in these groups, um, I've noticed that a lot of people, we ask them, how much are your operating costs? You know, how much is your desired profit? How much is your state unemployment or, or, or other tax rates and so forth? And they can't give a clear answer. And our pricing is based around that because you got to factor that in. I, I think everyone should look in, look in their operating costs, figure out and categorize, as you're saying, all these different things, whether it be supplies or insurance or costs or uh, taxes, income tax. You, you got to factor all that in and then kind of create categories based on that and create pricing around those items. So create a really complex and it's complex. It really, it's, it's, it's crazy. It, it, it is, com is. It's complex, but I, and it should be. It should be. Yeah. And you can't simplify it, unfortunately, but you need to know these things, but also create pricing those that's around those percentages. You need to know how much you're spending on uniforms. You need to know how much you're spending on, on this and that and everything. So that way you can factor it into your pricing. So when you're bidding, you're presenting a price that includes profit, by the way. So, you know, you're going to, you may or may not win it, but at least, you know, if you do win it, you're covered. And a lot yeah. of people just aren't covered. Yeah. It's so frustrating to see um, the common question in the groups. What is everybody's hourly rate? 
They just want somebody to hand it to them. And yeah. it's like, well, look, you're, you know, this guy's hourly rate might not work for you. You know, mm-hmm. if, yeah, if, like you're, if, if you're I'm, in one part of the country and yeah. you can hire an employee, a really great employee for say 12, $13 an hour in your area doesn't mean in his area, he can do the same. Maybe he needs to hire $18 an hour to get the same employee. Uh-huh. And, you know, instantly your, your cost factors are off because now you have a higher wage, which means you have a higher labor burden. You know, your overhead cost may be slightly similar, but you've just eaten into the profit. So now the profit range is different, but they think it's just this magic number. You know, same thing with bidding. They, they just want to know, well, what's your square footage price? forbidding a contract oh, yeah, and it's, it's, you know and i tell everybody until you know how to bid an account based on a production rate and buy you know like figure out the amount of hours that it's going to take and put an hourly rate to that that makes sense for your business and put together a proper bid you have no business asking what your square footage price is because it's going to be different for your company yep I mean, it's different. Like you're a ten-person company, a hundred-person company, three hundred-person company. Like your 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 workman's comp is different, your overhead cost is different. So it's it is hard to. It's almost like we we do our best to give opinions. It's really not even advice. It's like hey, our this is my opinion based on my size company, your size. You know, I was. It's just it's just different. You know, and it, it, I do struggle with trying to answer people's questions because it's like sometimes I feel like the answer I gave may be the wrong answer for them in that scenario. And they're going to run with mm-hmm. it. And if they run with it, it's like, damn, I don't want them to come back and say, Oh, Rick, I was too high. I'm like, Oh, well, I wouldn't have been, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. Right. Maybe it in Chicago, you, you wouldn't be too high. Right. Like here in Chicago, when somebody, I, I, I cringe when anybody's under 25 an hour, like at 25 an hour, I, I just don't know. I don't know better. Like, I don't think, I, I don't know. That's, I feel like that's a bidding and estimating. This is why I came up with, with route you guys, right. It's like, I feel like it's so crucial because if we could level the playing field and accurately bid, we are the blue collar economy. We're the foundation, you know, of this, of the country for the economy of cleaning is seven cleaning businesses account for 7% of the small business industry, where if we can, raise that bar from being re- looked at as, you know, oh, well, that guy down the street charges me 18 an hour, Rick. What do you, why am I going to pay you 30? You know, like if we can show them, and I take this page out of one of my clients that asked me to present to them everything. Rick, I want to know how much you pay an hour, your employee, what you're paying for uniforms, how much you're covering for gas, how much. So when she asked me that, I was taken back. But then when I gave it to them, you know, I, I had the contract, but they just wanted to know, if I went in and I showed a 25% profit and they were like, good, because if you were to came back at 10%, you would have gotten the contract because we're not in this business as a large brand in the country to give business to a small business that is barely going to make it. You know, they're, they're there. And then they gave me all their other accounts across the country. Cause they were, they're like, it starts with us as customers too. Like if we're the customer of you and we're not paying you a fair market value price, then this world's never going to get better, right? The economy's never going to get better because it's the small businesses that do the hiring that can get to the point of paying better. So then it's not always the large enterprise companies that sub everything to us and then sub everything. And then there's like breadcrumbs and you never can, you'll never make it. Small businesses will never make it if we rely on subbing 
um, which is a whole other topic. We, that, that we could talk, that's another podcast episode. Um, I already lost my train of thought here. See, I went too deep. I went, <laughs> I went deep. <laughs> we say no to subbing. All right. Let me catch my breath here. So unless you guys got anything to touch on, I did want to talk about, you know, cause I, as you guys can see, I have a passion for this industry, especially for the small business owner. Um, because I feel like there's one word that describes cleaning business owners and that's just gritty, right? Like it is a dirty job. It is a, you rarely get complimented. Um, it's, not that it's not respected, but I'll take that where COVID is creating a lot more respect for us, right? But mm-hmm. I feel like it's our duty and thank thank God to you guys too, where you guys are coming in as coaches and mentors is we need to improve the outlook of our industry. Uh, but what, when you guys think of a cleaning business owner, what's a, what's a word that you guys feel describes cleaning business owners here? Wow, that can run all over the, all over the gamut. I mean, there's some cleaning business owners out there that you could put the word shady or or used car salesman to, honestly, because they just don't know enough about the industry. So they're out there lowballing every bid, just trying to win contracts. They don't care about the people that they hire. Uh, they're not nurturing them. And then, then you have some others that. I think are just absolute top notch. You know, they they are they are the the cream of the crop when it comes to um, professionalism and nurturing and developing a, a great culture within their organization. And uh, you know, they they're definitely respectable. I, I've been a through working at Marcus Cleaning Service. I was a member of the BSCAI. I went to so many conferences over the years and uh, I can just say I, I've met so many fantastic business owners and they're so genuine, you know, uh, there's no arrogance to them. It doesn't matter what size of, of an organization it is. You know, I've met $10 million owners all the way up to, you know, uh, $300 million owners and they just want to help. They just want to educate. Yeah. They just want to, they just want to elevate the industry. They don't want us to look like, we are nothing uh, more than people out pushing mops and cleaning toilets. Yep, yep, yep. Mark, what about you? Well, I want to echo on that. Uh, I remember we were members off and on with BSCAI for, for years. We're members now, but I, I remember uh, joining one year and one of our direct competitors, at least the president of that competitor, happened to be the president of BSCAI for that year. And and he reached out and called directly and he said, Hey, if there's anything I could do to help you guys grow. And I didn't take it that in the sense of, Hey, this guy's kind of rubbing my nose in it. I think he genuinely wanted to help. And so I, I echo what you're saying, Michael, uh, definitely, you know, reach out, re- reach out to other companies. If, if you guys are watching this or listening to this, reach out to other companies and figure out what they need to grow and help them grow. I mean, chances, uh, there's so many buildings out there. We oh can't my God. in them all. No, there's so much. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. I mean, I'm big on affiliate partnership guys. You know, like I, I, you know, I know you're talking Mark subcontracting. You say no, uh, I, I say no as the sub to a prime, but I'll tell you my whole mission now for the past couple of years, because I'm in 18 yeah. States, right? I'm in 18 States. 
but I'm in those states with other cleaning companies, but we call it affiliate partnership. And we are there with them. We are, you know, we're, we're not telling them what to do, but we're giving them the tools, the software, the app, the, the uh, equipment, the supplies, the six steps to success, the, the, they are, if it wasn't for them in those areas for us managing our accounts, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. So we, you know, cause I've been on the other side where it was just, Hey, here, this is how much you're going to make. This is the uh, scope of work. Uh, you know, send us an invoice every 30 days. And that was it. I was like, what the, well, this isn't a partnership. Like well, <laughs> this sucks. So, but it's cause there is so much opportunity. Like I can't, I'm in Chicago. I've told I, I, Michael, I think you were on when I first said this, but uh, three of my good friends, they're competitors in my city. And I don't even know when we've ever gone up against each other. Like, I cannot tell you what I, I know who they are. I know that they bid some of the jobs I bid, but like, we we're just so good, you know, as far as friendly with each other that it just boggles my mind when you enter some markets and they're very competitive and they're like, you know, Hey, why are you calling me? You know, no, I don't want to work with you. You know, I, I, I don't need that. No. I'm like, well, oh, okay. All right. But there's just so many buildings. It's so many opportunities. And now with COVID happening um, and, you know, again, I wanted to touch on this, but I think we could do this in another episode is I feel like the new wave of disinfection uh, requires a whole new way of learning how to properly clean and understand chemical consumption, chemical use, the application process, because it is different. I, I, I'm sad to see a lot of snake oil going on with all this 90 micro, you know, 90 day stuff that, you know, people buy into it. And it's just amazing with, ah, that's a whole other conversation as we could, as you guys. Well, to, to, to sum up uh, Dr. Gavin uh, McGregor Skinner who with GBAC, right? He was saying that uh, 2019 was the year of cleaning. We're, we're there to clean and serve our clients, but 2020 was the year to keep them safe, right? Through disinfecting. And, and uh, I think we just need to be good stewards. We need to be educated. We need to learn. We need to go through coaching. We need to work with folks like Michael, folks like uh, Ricky. We, we need to really grow and expand our knowledge base just to be good stewards to our clients, good stewards to our employees, and definitely grow from there. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're coming up to the time frame here. I like, I always say we can go keep going here, but what I like to end with is two points. Uh, I'll let, you know, Michael, you could take this and then Mark, you too. Uh, other than the things we've said, drop the audience another golden nugget or just something that you guys think is super important for us to know as cleaning business owners to grow our business, uh, take advantage of with what's out there, what, what's something you want to leave the audience with right now um, in regards to, to, to just growing your business and doing things the right way? So I, I would have to say networking with other business owners. It's so valuable. Don't be afraid to reach out, like you mentioned before, to other companies and ask questions or go work with them a little bit to gain knowledge. You know, if you don't know how to strip and wax a floor, but that's something that you want to add to your business, you know, pair up with somebody and go out on a strip wax job with them. Give them free labor and learn. There, you know, I don't know of a business owner, unless they're just that competitive, that would say no to, to taking on free labor to get a job done. Please reach out to me. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm in Chicago. You guys can come <laughs> to my office. I need all, all right. the help I can get. 
Right. I mean, um, but but reach out and and try to absorb as much as possible. Uh, get yourself surrounded with like-minded people that are in this industry, and um, you know, have conversations frequently with them. Don't just don't be afraid. That that networking is so powerful. So. Yes. Yes. Mark, what about you? Have a good sales mindset. You know, winning one hundred percent of the time is a bad thing. That means you're underpricing things, quite frankly. So yep. don't be afraid to take a no and realize there's so many other you know, potential clients out there and contacts. You can, it's impossible for you to get them all get to them all. You've, even if you're in a tiny market, you know, pull up something like Google maps or Google earth and put yourself on the screen in the computer and just stare at how many buildings you see in a quarter mile by quarter mile space. There's hundreds, if not thousands, depending on where you're living. There's no way that you could hit every single one of those buildings. So don't be afraid uh, to know that you might have a thousand competitors in your, uh, in your market or 2000, like here in the Washington DC area. That's okay because you'll never hit all those buildings. Plenty to go around. Oh yeah. Dude. Uh, just fantastic guys. I would echo the peer to peer, like Michael said, and just Mark, I always call it as say it's, it's an art, right? This is, it's a learning sales is a craft running. Your business is an art. Like it's, you guys nailed it with those two nuggets. Let's just end with, give me, we got to laugh here. So Michael, give me a funny story of you in the field. And then Mark, follow that up with your own funny story. I know there's a lot of them. I actually, I, I don't, I ran, I, I think I've said about 15 funny stories already. So I'm running out. So I'm going to let you two take this. All right. I, I, I've got a really good one. So early on, um, I had partnered up. And I was learning how to strip and wax, right? So we're at a, uh, a, a powder coating manufacturing company and they stripped and waxed their floors every week. And they had this large auto scrubber. So we, we were in the, the habit of you know putting down stripper on the floor and it was this rubberized tile and it, it became very, very slippery, right? So here I am. 20 something years old, new to the industry. And I'm like, oh, well, I can ice skate in this stripper. So I go gliding across the floor. And of course I hit a dry spot and my feet go straight up in the air as I land on my back in a pile of stripper. Um, and my partner's just looking at me, like shaking his head, like, man, what the hell are you doing, dude? <laughs> I can't believe you're trying to, to ice skate through this stuff. Um, nice. I, I, needless I, to say, I, I never once did that again. I started walking like a ballerina through the stripper after that because I never wanted to fall again. Right? I, you know what's funny, Michael? I feel like everybody. Had, I've, I've I said like three stories on strip and waxing. I think the strip and wax service is the root of many funny stories, until you know what it is to actually strip and wax. Because it wasn't funny when I freaking, I I literally put a hole in the wall with my machine and my foot went through it. So yeah, strip and waxing. I mean, but Mark, what do you got? Don't you got another strip and wax or what do you got? Yeah. 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 I'll keep with the theme there. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's more of a personal relationship or, or business relationship, I should say, and, and sales process. I remember uh, going to a school and they're asking for biz, a K through eight school. And it's like, yeah, I'm excited. You know, this is going to be a, you know, four or $5,000 a month contract. I'm stoked. And I'm, I'm ready to practice my sales skills. And this is very early on. And, 
And we get to a part where there's like a big open area and sure enough, someone had stripped and waxed the floor, but they did a horrible, horrible job. And throughout the, the walkthrough, the guy, the person walked me through, he is complaining about the cleaning. And so we get to that big floor area and I said, oh, this floor looks awful. It was horrible. I mean, there's like ridges in the, and there it is horrible. And I said, man, I tell you what, this cleaning crew really did a bad job. Look at this strip and wax job. He turned to me and he goes, I did that. I did that. (laughs) (laughs) So needless to say, I did not win that contract, but hey, life lesson learned. Uh, Keep your mouth shut. Even if your competition competition does bad and you think they're the ones who did, just keep your mouth shut. Smile (laughs) nod. All right, cool. Well, guys, thank you so much. I appreciate the time you guys have taken out of your schedule. Uh, I want to end with, because, uh, you know, a lot of people always want to reach out or know how, how it is to talk to everybody that's on the show. So, Mark, you know, can people reach out on, on LinkedIn, Facebook, email? What's the best way for somebody to contact you? Yeah, sure. Uh, probably the best way would be through email. And that's just mark at mycleanpivot.com or reach us on mycleanpivot.com. Yeah, you guys too. So that that is the name of the coaching and consulting agency that that Mark is yep. launching and, and, and working yep. on. So please reach out, make sure you follow him. Michael, same thing. You know, where, where could could uh, the audience reach out to you? Uh, th- well, they can email me at michael at janitoriallearningcenter.com or on Facebook. I've got a Facebook page and a group going. Uh, Facebook page, Janitorial Learning Center. So nice okay. and easy to find me. And, uh, you know, they can always reach out to me anytime. Awesome. Well, hey, everybody, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, whether you're watching or listening, again, it's the cleaning and cocktails. You know what we do here. We empower the cleaning industry. We talk talk shop, have some cocktails, have some fun. You can find everybody's bio and everybody's information on the description down below. Uh, so thank you for joining in, Mark. Michael, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys for taking the time out and I will talk to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, guys.